Hi, my name is Lee Den Hunt. I'm a businesswoman, an athlete, an adventurer, third woman to summit uh, Mount Everest in 2013. You'll be tuning into Saray's phenomenal podcast because it's there, and I look forward to sharing my story with you. Because it's there with Sarah Kumalo is proudly sponsored by Vuma. Hello, everybody, and you have tuned in to Because It's There, a podcast that focuses on leadership, focuses on the fact that we are all born leaders and reminds us that we just need to live as extraordinary beings, as leaders that we are, because it's all within us. And today, to remind us of that is an adventurer and a good friend of mine, and someone that I looked up to uh, before going to Everest and still do today. And uh, this is Lee Denhond. Lee, welcome to Because It's There. And thank you for giving us your time. Thank you, Saray. Thank you for having me on your wonderful, wonderful podcast series. I feel honored to be with you today. Uh, fantastic. So today's topic is going to really be about when life is an adventure, because I see my life as an adventure, your life is an adventure, life generally being an adventure. Some choose to explore it and some don't. So let's start with a little bit of an icebreaker, a phrase that I'm going to put to you, and I would like you to finish it. If life is an adventure, it's best lived with with maximum 100% attitude and altitude to be the best version of yourself every single day in everything that you do. Full stop. Well, I, I love that. It, that. it has to be a full stop. You can't explain it. No excuses. It is what it is. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So, so your life, I mean, I've read your book, has been really lived as an athlete, whether you're in business or outside. And, and it's really been an amazing journey to, to read about, to follow, uh, you know, right alongside the physical training what was your mental preparation and regime in the run-up to Everest, in the run-up to some of the amazing stuff that you, you've done? Was it any different? Take us through that uh, process. Thank you, Saray. It's such a great question. I believe for every big challenge in your life, you've got to fill your mind with, I always say we're actually surrounded by 360 degrees of information. It's where we look for it, it's how we find it, and where we find it, what we do with it. Um, in my, in my lead-up to Everest, which was, um, uh, I left for the mountain in March 2013, but I made the decision in June 2012. So it was, I literally had an eight-month window before making the decision and training myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and all of those just in terms of 360-degree prep uh, in a very short space of time. But what I did is, uh, in quite a simplistic manner, I watched as many movies as what I could about mountaineering, about mountain climbing. I read books. I also engaged with people that had done mountains, highest mountains in the world, South African mountains. And then I spent a lot of time on Google. You know, it was, uh, I always say there's no excuse anybody has today not to find, because information is at our fingertips. But I really tried to fill myself with, from, as I said, the reading, the movies. And even when um, something jumped into my head, when I made the decision at 29 years old, 
to go overseas to New York. I found myself also reading about the city, but trying to watch every single movie that I could about the city that was just so exciting, so dynamic, because as a South African, hadn't been there before. But I think something as big as Everest, you have to fill your mind with the facts. You've got to read up about it, the good, the bad, the challenges. And the best way is also just to speak to people who have done it and to ask them the questions. And I always say in South Africa, we don't know ice, we don't know snow, we definitely don't know avalanches, to speak to people that have actually experienced that to find out what it's really what it's all about for them to guide us to to help to lead us and essentially which will protect us when we're in an environment where we have never ever been before absolutely and and it's such a blessing when when those people when you reach out and they're open to supporting you which you were for me and i would like to just take this opportunity to thank you and appreciate you for that you didn't know me from a bar soap and i just made a call you're like yeah come and see me and there was coffee there was a smile there was you know really an explanation of what it is that you went through how you prepared for it and i want to actually say that you know 2019 success Success was because of some of the feedback that I got from you and some of the guidance. So thank you for that, Lee. Um, let's go on to the next uh, question. Thank you, sir. <laughs> when did you realize that you were born for something more, something greater than you previously imagined, that you were born for greatness? Because it's some people, it's not so obvious. That is such a great golden question. And I think that, you know, if every single person could ask themselves that question every morning when they wake up, especially now because people are having such times, is to believe that they were born for greatness and they were born for a greater purpose in their lives. You know, I always say God's gift to you is potential. What you do with your potential is your gift back to him. And um, when I read that question, I thought, wow, what a, what a massive compliment. But, you know, Saraya, I think that realizations are actually also decisions one one uh, that one makes. Um, I know when I was in that mountain in 2013, I made a decision that I wanted to live a life with purpose. I wanted to do stuff for a reason and a cause, and I wanted to do something greater than just the ego that took me there to say, you know what, guys, I'm going at one massive cost to climb the highest mountain in the world. But outside of that, you know, I love when you say, when did you realize... I believe in life that your greatest challenges are your greatest gifts. And what I mean by that is when you overcome a challenge, when you cross a finish line, when you complete something, and I always say you don't have to win it, you don't have to be on the podium, I encourage you just to do it, just to participate, just to finish it. When you do that, you've got such a sense of I did it, I achieved it, that you just know that you've got the gift to do the next thing and the next. I know when I did my first five-kilometer race, I know when I made my first decision to do Ironman, I knew when I crossed that finish line, I could do the next one and the next. I could push myself to run in the desert, the hardest race in the world, because I knew that I had done other things that I thought I could never, ever do before. So I think, you know, you realize your own greatness on your own personal journey, and it's the small achievements, essentially, that are the big achievements. So I think, uh, you know, I said the realization is actually coupled with the decisions, and that's why it's such a beautiful, valuable gift, because when we all realize we we built for greatness, we were born for greatness, and we really are. We've got such a big life ahead of us, and we need to fulfill that. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I realized in interacting with you um, and, and, and chatting uh, with you is, is how humble you are about the Everest achievement and, and recognizing that it's a gift. Um, you know, you were the first person that I listened to that said, it, 
Everest gave me a gift. Take us through that. What is the thought process in terms of that? You know, how did you come to that realization? Was it immediately or is it, there was a process and you went like, oh, this is actually a gift for me? Uh, all your questions are so great. Saray, so, Everest was my golden ticket. And let me share that with you. The hardest thing in my life has ended up being my greatest gift. And in my talks, I talk about Everest is just like life. It's not how you start something. It's how you finish. As you know, you can get to the summit of Everest. You can stand on top of the world with the biggest smile on your face with your oxygen mask or holding the flag of your country up there with such a sense of pride and achievement. Getting there is one thing, but you've got to get down. In life, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. As you know, you can reach the top of Everest, but if you don't get down, it's not counted as a summit. I got to the top of Everest. It was the hardest thing ever, not being able to breathe. The temperature's as cold as minus 34 degrees, hallucinating, my body out of control. I did not know how I was going to get back to the death zone. And when I kicked into that thought about my purpose versus my challenge, that I was able to do the hardest thing in my life, it ended up being my greatest gift. Because I've taken that into other areas of my life, 2013, into my business, to the success of that, into the desert race, crossing that finish line, into many, many areas of my life, realizing when your purpose is greater than your challenge when you know why you're doing something there's no finish line you cannot cross and Everest was the gift that brought me that at the age of 43 years old so yeah and that's why I encourage people welcome the challenge welcome the grit because if you push through and you cross that finish line there is such a gift on the other end such a gift Absolutely. I love the way you put it. Thank you so much for that. So I, I shouldn't explain who a Shepa is to you. You know exactly who uh, a Shepa is, but we have Shepas on Everest. We have Shepas in our lives uh, and every day. And who has been your most important Shepa in your life, whether it's one or many, uh, that you can share with us? And, and how did you make contact with this um, with this Shepa one or two, um, whatever you'd like to share in terms of that. I'm going to answer that, that question in a twofold approach. In terms of a Sherpa, I was not misled, as definitely not. I took for granted. And on Everest, I, I talk about if it is to be, it is completely up to me. I believe that my Sherpa, who would, was by my side, absolutely would push me here pull me, he'll train me, he'll lead me, he'll guide me. He's going to help me get to the top of the world. And my Sherpa could hardly speak English. It had only been his second summit, first summit. And um, he was as inexperienced as me. So I realized very quickly that I've got to do this mountain on my own. But I love the meaning of a Sherpa because essentially the Sherpas do lead, they train, they guide, they motivate, they do all of those things. So the role is completely, completely valuable. Um, the example that I'd like to give you in terms of somebody who inspired me without them knowing that they would inspire me, it was in 2008 and I was at a dinner table and I thought about doing the Ironman. Now, the Ironman is one of the hardest sporting endurance events in the world. For anybody who doesn't know the Ironman, it's a 3.8-kilometer swim in the ocean. It's equivalent to 180 lengths at your Virgin Active Gym. Then you get out of the ocean and do 180 kilometers on your bicycle it's equivalent to 294.7 and then you put your bicycle down you do a full 42 kilometer marathon and you've got 17 hours to do these three disciplines i thought about it but i thought there's no ways it's too hard it's too long this thing is going to be too tough and at this dinner table i was sitting across somebody called sue and sue had completed the ironman and i say this with love and respect sue was not an athlete she had done actually nothing athletic she didn't look like an athlete and she had crossed the line of iron 
Ironman. And I looked at her and I thought, so if you can do the Ironman, I know that I can do it. And without her knowing it, she actually inspired me. And I've gone on to do six full Ironman. But um, I think sometimes we don't realize that through conversations with people, seeing what they've done, it actually inspires us. In 2012, the person who was the person who unlocked my mind to make me realize that I could take on Everest as a novice climber, I was listening to Lewis Pugh, the endurance swimmer, and his whole talk was about nothing is impossible in this life, if you believe it. And I listened to him on the Friday. By Sunday, 48 hours later, I'd sent him an email saying, Lewis, I've made a decision. I want to attempt to summit Mount Everest. And he unlocked something in my mind. And I remember having a conversation with him after he's talking. I said, Lewis, what you do is incredible. And he said, yes, Lee, but there's one thing I would never be able to do. I can never, ever do an Ironman. And then I looked at him. In my mind, he was on the podium of life. He looked at me as being on the podium of an endurance event. But he inspired me to do something that changed my life forever. So I think in life, there are many Sherpas, there are many mentors. It, it's, it depends on us how we engage in them and what we seek from them. I don't think somebody has to a Sherpa that fills a full-time position. There are different Sherpas every day. You can read a billboard. You can see a Nike commercial. You can Something will inspire you and will unlock. You've just got to be ready for that. And um, they, they fulfill such important roles in our lives as what we need to do exactly the same when people ask us for guidance or for inspiration. I really believe that. Yeah, I love that. It's it just uh, a testament of the fact that every moment is either a learning moment or a teaching moment. There's someone watching you yes. and getting inspired by you and somebody else that is inspiring you. You just need to take it all in. Oh, wow. Lovely. Um, I want to take this moment to appreciate our sponsors and a message from Vumatel, who are making this podcast possible. Because it's there with Sarah Kumalo is proudly sponsored by Vuma. In a world of possibilities, our choices define who we are. We can choose to simply get things done but we choose to make a difference. We can choose to go far, or we can choose to go further. We choose great over good every time, because we can. And because we can, we must. We don't just act, we activate. When we move, we move forward. Instead of simply providing access, we see the potential for success. Because where others see data, we see dreams. To us, connecting means more than plugs and ports. We exist to empower ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We aim higher and we choose to do more. We don't wait for opportunities. We create them. Our choices define us. And when faced with the choice, we always choose. Extraordinary. So contextualizing Lee Denhond, right? The, the pandemic has affected travel, entertainment, which is the industry that you're in um, more than ever. 
you know, over the past 14 to 16 uh, months globally, you know, you have had uh, to make certain difficult decisions with your business, with how you are doing things, with how I'm doing things, with how the world, we, we keep talking about the new normal, you know, could you share some of the learnings that you've picked up and how you've prepared yourself, not only to survive this, but to thrive beyond the pandemic? Absolutely. Um, so, Ray, it's been a very, very tough time uh, for anybody in the hospitality industry. I've been running my company, Blue Platinum Events, for a period of 21 years. And last year, in 48 hours in the month of March, we had almost 25 million rands worth of events cancelled, not postponed, completely cancelled. Um, it was very, very hard. I had to let go of my entire team. I moved out of beautiful offices. Um, my, my client base was of a global stature. And it wasn't just the loss of business. All of a sudden, the phone doesn't ring. All of a sudden, you are traumatized, you're paralyzed, completely seized by the new reality. And every time you think it's going to turn, it's going to change, there's another wave and another wave. And the biggest piece of advice that I've got, I've had to give myself and uh, on a regular basis this is not performance basically don't take this personally a company that's been running for 20 years two decades in a highly competitive industry is a great company with great credentials with a great turnover and a wonderful client base until it isn't and um, one's got to take this thing step by step you've got to take it day by day exactly people would say but how did you climb Everest I climbed it step by step and moment by moment and day by day for two months on that mountain and this is one's own Everest one's got to take it day by day because there's so much in the eventing landscape that we can't control and the one thing that is impacted because of this landscape you can't get people together for an event but there are still clients there are still clients with great budgets that are still wanting people to engage and it's for us just to push the boundaries and say, this is the, these are the things we cannot do, but this is what we can do. This is the solution I have for you. And through that, yes, we've still won pitches. We've just won a wonderful two-year contract with a top, top, top client to one of the a market leader in South Africa. And one thing that makes me feel proud and reassures me every day with all the loss around me, no matter what I've lost, no one can take away my credentials of over 20 years running a phenomenal company, doing phenomenal events in South Africa, as well as on a global level. Nothing takes your experience where we credentials no matter what's happening today nobody can erase the history or the experience that you have yeah absolutely i, I love that I, I think it's it's the concept of uh, not every day on the mountain is a, is, a, is a good day you know some are great but the reality is mm -hmm. if you keep stepping towards the summit you will definitely get there so well done on that and i and i hope that um other people that are listening that are also going through this, uh, they realize that you're not alone, but you can actually survive and thrive if you keep stepping. If you pivot in a way, if you look at what worked yesterday that doesn't work today, how can I make it work so that I can continue moving forward? So I appreciate that um, from you. So as an entrepreneur, what do you think is the attitude that individuals such as yourself should adopt in creating a different style of leadership in the COVID era? As a leader, once all you've got to lead from the front. Um, so many times, and I speak with complete transparency, I really went down an emotional rabbit hole, struggling, 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 taking a person, thinking about 
I'm not a bad person. I didn't do bad events. The company's out with integrity. We've done great work for great clients and um, everything's been above board. And thinking, but why is this happening to a great company that's good, that has done really great stuff? And at the end of the day, it's not just the service provider that's struggling. It's also the client that's struggling. That client still needs to engage. That client still needs to keep his people motivated, keep them uh, on the track of success, reaching targets, you know, together apart, apart together. That client is struggling as much as the service provider. And I think the, 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 the one thing we need to strive to to achieve is to be the solution for our client. You know, when I look at the, our track record, as I said, running a company for 20 years, my biggest client in year one is still my biggest client today, which is 21 years later. And when I looked at some of the events we had done successfully for them for 11 years, was to do that same event for 500 people to achieve the same objectives and to really say to them, we're with you on this journey. Let's figure out a solution together to still achieve the objective as what we would at a live event. And I think just changing the approach to say, I'm going to hold your hands through this. I know you're batting. I'm also batting. But let's win together approach has yielded successful results. And um, I think it's just really to to see things from a, a point of view, from the client's point of view, not just the service provider. And um, yeah, there was there's been a great sense of team in that. And uh, and I think uh, yeah, to really lead from the front to to have the word solution in mind, solution, a solution for yourself, a solution for your client, a solution for the suppliers that you that you are utilizing. Because essentially, the team is not just one pair. Many people are impacted, but many people are impacted successfully when you do reach the solution. Absolutely. It's about partnerships. Um, That is amazing. You're not looking at your clients as them and and us. We are in this together, which which is uh, quite key to success. Yeah. Anyway, let's get out of the pandemic and have a little bit more fun as an athlete, which I know you're very passionate about, and uh, an adventurer. You've experienced many scenic landscapes. I mean, from Everest that we've talked about, uh, as well as the massive Sahara Desert, you know, uh, the toughest foot race in the world. You know, what is your experience through all this? How do you, how do you experience that and bring it to life in your um, day-to-day dealings, whether in your personal life as well as in your business? Um, Up for the challenge. I know for after Everest, I knew that I wasn't going to do a mountain again. Definitely, definitely not. I was not going to be choosing to take myself into temperatures as low as minus 34 degrees. So I made the decision to go from the extreme cold to the extreme heat. What I loved about it, what caught me, is something known as the toughest foot race in the world in Morocco, 251 kilometers in the Sahara Desert. And I thought, yes, essentially, I'm a runner, but this is running in 53 degrees in terms of heat, it's also running 251 kilometers on sand, very, very fine sand. So I knew I was in for one massive, massive challenge, and I could understand why they called it the toughest foot race in the world. Um, I think all the, the big thing in life is when you take yourself into a challenge to do the things that you cannot train for. South Africa, you can't train in the environment that takes you onto that mountain for Everest, and definitely in the extreme heat of even in South African hottest summers, it's not as hot as 53 degrees, and we don't have the, the deserts as uh, as they do in Morocco, and that's what led me to go and train in Namibia four months before this. But Saray, what I want to share with this with this great question that you've asked, the one word that I've taken into business management, sport management, 
life challenge management, which is the buzzword for many, many people at the moment, and that is resilience. Resilience is getting you to the state as to where you were, where you were strong in your flow, feet on the ground. Resilience is taking you back to that state as quick as possible. I love the word resilience because it's got 10 letters. And what I've done is I've developed an acronym for the word resilience. And I'd like you to take you through it because this took me through the Sahara Desert. It took me up Everest and it's taken me through the pandemic. The R is for reason and purpose. Why are you doing what you're doing? E is for endurance. This is never going to be a one-day one day race. S is for strength of will. The greatest strength that any human has and human power is his willpower. The I in resilience is for imagine. You've always got to imagine the finish line. You've got to imagine the summit. You've got to imagine that the pandemic will end and imagine crossing the finish line of the desert. L is for leadership, to lead from the front. You've got to be your own greatest example. I is for integrity. No matter how tough, always do the right thing. E, my favorite, is excellence. As Oprah Winfrey says, in every single thing that you do every day, be excellent. Because when you are excellent, you are unforgettable. The N in resilience is for never, ever give up. C is control. Control your mind. I could never control the cold. I could never control the heat. And I can't control the pandemic. But I can control my attitude. And that is how my body and how my mind and how my attitude is impacting my day and my thoughts, and that's controlling what I can and letting go of the things I can't control. And then the E in resilience is to enjoy. You've got to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, it's not worthwhile, and you've got to change your distance and your pace and your journey and resilience. And I wanted to bring that to the fore because it's such an important word in the desert, on the mountain, and right here today, right now, what we're going through. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I'm going to adopt it. I'm going to listen to this again and again. Resilience, very key. Um, and thank you for sharing. I've read your book um, like twice, I think, you know. So you've bent down a, a more titled What Happens When You Say Yes, a book about altitude, attitude, and the greater purpose, which you talk about, you know, what was the process of putting together this creative story um, for, for the public? So I had never planned to write a book, not at all. I just, I really wanted to be a great inspirational speaker uh, on a national level as well as a global level. And I'd been working with a communications company in New York City, and they said to me for great speakers, especially on a global platform, to have the correct credentials, you've got to have a book. And that's what started this book journey, which unfolding, started to unfold in South Africa. And I worked very closely with a wonderful ghostwriter in Cape Town. And we started to unpack chapter by chapter on the mountain, but also chapter by chapter, just my personal journey, uh, which took me to Everest, after Everest, uh, in sport, in personal life, family life, and uh, and business life. And, um, you know, even to the title, what happens when you say yes, again, just committing to a decision, a choice, um, to, to committing to the challenge, because on the other side, as it says, always the gift. But it was a wonderful journey to, to write the book, and then to feel really proud about, pass that book on to people, and then have the feedback saying, thank you so much, it inspired me to lose weight, it inspired me to run my first race, it inspired me to change my career. And then you know that you've done some good along the way by putting your own personal story together in a book of a few chapters with some great visuals that it was a good thing and a great tool and yes it gave credentials as a speaker but he did so much more than that absolutely i, I think the, the one thing that at least scares me is when when i share a story and somebody said i quit my job because i heard you 
And I'm thinking, okay, what if it doesn't work? I feel responsible. I need to. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so um, Lee, with where we are at, what two or three philosophies do you pick up from your book, uh, you know, that you're using, especially during this trying time? What are you saying yes to every day during this time? Saray, to never, ever give up, to never give up, because I have felt so down. Since March last year, I felt down and out. There have been many, many tears. I've got nothing to hide. I'd be, I want to be completely transparent and authentic to never, ever give up and to realize that I made decisions to take on highest mountains in the world, hottest deserts, biggest business challenges, and success has been my result by doing it with integrity, a complete commitment to the end goal, to, to just never, ever give up in something I believe in. And I... And every single day when I look at the choices I made in that book in terms of my career choices at the age of 25 years old, to never give up on the fact that I was not going to be able to work for a big sportswear brand like a Nike or Adidas and eventually did get there, to go to New York despite having such a tough experience being stabbed. All those things led me to such great endings and such wonderful gifts. And a big thing for me is just to absolutely never give up, no matter how tough this pandemic is and the COVID landscape. And I'm singing the song of so many people right now that just it will end and it will turn and that's that is definitely one of the things and also to remind myself that this is not a one-day game that endurance is key it will turn like an iron man it's a day of hell but eventually when you're running down that red carpet across the finish line all the training all the everything that led up to it was so worth it that it's endurance and the imagination to every day imagine and visualize what the end will be to every day to imagine and visualize that my business is back on its feet, that people are back together again at an event in a space where they're safe and they're happy and they're not wearing masks. Um, just to really imagine a world as, as it was, but better and cleaner and with a deeper sense of gratitude and connection. Absolutely. Visualize to maximize. As you were talking, I was like, yeah visualizing my own world. And, and I absolutely <laughs> appreciate that. There's something that you've touched on that I didn't think of asking until now. Tell us a little bit more about how you got to work for Nike. I mean, this is a South African girl, you know, sitting here, you don't know anybody anywhere in New York. It is in your book. So for those of you that want to just grab this amazing book and get inspired, please do so. But Lee's going to share with us how she just woke up one day, uh, decided to get into New York. And how did you get to work for Nike of all the brands that one can think of? Um, I think, Sarah, uh, some people would say naivety is, um, is a great gift. And some people would say naivety was equivalent to complete yeah. stupidity. But what, whichever way you cut it, it got me to where I wanted to be, no matter, and I just didn't give up because I had such a vision and a mission and a, and a goal to get there. I was completely determined to work for either Adidas or Nike or Reebok. And I had this vision about contacting, I was 24 years old. It was before, no, sorry, 23 years old, just before Google. It was the yellow pages, whereby for any contact number, you'd need to look at this massive a telephone directory, and I was living in Cape Town at the time, and I had this vision, it was in December, that by the 1st of April, I'd either be working for Nike, Adidas, or Reebok. And what I did is, in one week, I went to the Yellow Pages, and I looked up the CEO of every single one of these companies, and I made contact with every single one of the companies, and my line was, my name is Lee Denhorn, I'm 23 years old, if I could just have 20 minutes of your time. And I contacted every single brand, and I was fortunate that they did engage with me, And but all of them said to me, the head office 
is up in Johannesburg. But one day I contacted Adidas and the personal assistant of the marketing director happened to be ill that day. So my call went directly to him and I said, please just give me 20 minutes of your time. And he said, but why 20 minutes? And I said, please, I'll do anything to work for your sportswear brand. And I had literally one year's experience of doing promotional clothing, very little in marketing, but I could think you could see this never die or never give up, maybe desperation in this young 23-year-old voice. And he set up a time for me to go in and see him. It was the 26th of February and his name was Gavin Carley. He was a marketing director for many, many years of this great brand. And I said, Mr. Carley, I'm prepared to do absolutely anything for Adidas. And um, that was the 26th of, of February. And through various meetings and engagement, they actually created a position for me. My first job employment, Saray, was on the 1st of April. And that for me at that young age said to me, you know what, set a goal, don't give up. And if you're really committed to it, Success was the result. I was with Adidas for about three to four years, which took me to Nike, which was absolutely wonderful. Nike in Johannesburg, I moved up to the head office. And then I had this big vision and this dream and this goal to work for Nike in New York City. I resigned from Nike Johannesburg, got on a plane, not knowing anybody, and landed in New York City where every single thing went wrong. But one of the greatest lessons in my life took me to my knees, brought me back to South Africa, which motivated me to start my own company 21 years ago. So in a nutshell, so it was... Uh, yeah, a little bit of a crazy time, but um, <laughs> yielding phenomenal results. It, it sounds like it's like your book. It's saying yes to your dreams. It's like I dream it and I yeah. say yes and I go for it. Oh, thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. So my last question is um, one that I ask every, every guest. Describe your best failure or your best challenge and how it propelled you forward. My When I was 30 years old, I was in New York City with this vision to work for Nike. Why I said it was my greatest failure, I had this vision I was going to work for Nike, and I knocked on the door of Nike in Manhattan in New York City with my CV under my arm, and I said, I'm here all the way from South Africa to work for Nike, and the woman looked at me and said, are you here on vacation? I said, no, no, I've actually moved here. And she looked at me very, very puzzled, very dazzled, confused, thinking, I think this woman's crazy. She said, well, all the job opportunities are actually not here in New York City. The Nike head office is in Portland, Oregon. And um, I had no intention of going to Portland, Oregon. I left there with my tail between my legs. And my New York journey was very, very hard. I was there for six weeks. And when I thought things couldn't get harder, they did. One of the worst things happened to me in my life is I had worked three of the jobs. I had no papers. So I was there illegally, doing personal training in Central Park. I couldn't get into a gym as because I had no papers. I was hostessing in a restaurant and I was working in a clothing store. I'd worked all three jobs to pay my rental. It was quarter past 12 at night on the 20th of September and I crossed Madison Avenue and I turned around and there was a gentleman behind me and uh, looking at a piece of paper, looking up at the skyscrapers and I thought he was looking for directions. Unbeknown to me, 10 seconds later, he stabbed me with a knife in my back, a big knife, hit the ground. I went to New York City Hospital and they stitched me up. And it was a very traumatic incident. But I still wouldn't come back to South Africa because I had told everybody here because my ego was so big that I'd gone to New York to work for Nike. Every single door shut closed for me. Everything, everything, everything. Um, I was 30 years old and I was just about ego. You know, there's a great line that says, if you think you know everything, you actually know nothing. I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. And uh, I stayed there for the duration of my visa. And when I flew back to South Africa, I had absolutely nothing. So I had less than $20, which was equivalent to less than 400 rand. But I do believe in life. 
when you have nothing, you have absolutely nothing to lose. And what New York did, my hardest, hardest experience, and I see it as my greatest failure, but a great back my greatest gift it took me out of the sportswear industry and it led me to starting my own business of which i've been running for 21 years in 2015 i'm very proud to say that i won the uh, award of south african businesswoman of the year in the entrepreneurial category and uh, had i not gone to new york had it not been so bad had nike not said no to me i would not have started my own business 21 years ago in south africa so i do believe that the year that was the hardest led me to my greatest journey, and that is my business career and business success. And, um, you know, when you have nothing, you have nothing to lose, but push through because the great gift just lay on the other side. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Lee, for your time. And thank you for reminding myself and the listeners and the viewers that, you know, life does not happen to us. It happens for us. And we just need to say yes to all the dreams in our heads because we would surprise ourselves. You are a living example and I appreciate you. Thank you. 